Here's the thing about the internet. It's all a big game. And knowing the rules of the game doesn't mean you won't get played. Take dopamine detox for instance. When my colleague Anupriya asked me to host an episode on this topic, the internet culture reporter in me thought, aren't we done with this already? But with each conversation I subsequently had on the theme, I realized how wrong I was. It seems like my soul is at home, but my body is at workplace. I was consuming the internet without being a part of it. And I did not want to deny myself the joy of a good, funny read. I have found myself being in an absolutely paralyzed state and I hated that. Machine learning works in a very interesting way. So it will be based on your geography, your past searches, what you last consumed, how much time did you spend consuming something versus another piece of content. So, dopamine is a neurotransmitter. Okay, that's just a fancy term I picked up from WebMD. But really, dopamine is a chemical substance. Our body makes it. It releases it into our nervous system. And that's how we feel things like pleasure and motivation. All in all, an essential item. Now, our brain, it seems, gets wired to seek this pleasure, because why not, right? And in some cases, it gets addicted to seeking pleasure. This is when you get what they call a dopamine rush, I believe. In the offline world, the term dopamine therefore has long been used by psychologists in relation to addiction to substance. In the online world, however, you can get a dopamine refill at the speed of light. And therefore, for those of us who are able to connect this behavior back to their screen addiction, a dopamine detox presents itself as a reasonable solution. Is it really a solution though? Or just a quick fix? Worse still, a fad? In this episode, we speak to different parties caught in the dopamine demand and supply chain and try to understand the process of going on a dopamine detox and what happens after you come back from one. It's Friday, the 5th of Jan, 2024. This is your host, Shifali Bhatt, and you're listening to The Morning Brief. First up, we have Shreya Punj from the demand side. Shreya went on a dopamine detox in May last year and came back to social media only recently. This happened because I was burnt out. I was very anxious. I think I had early signs of mild depression where I was feeling very disconnected from my own life and I felt fatigued. And this was told to me by my therapist after she heard my symptoms and she basically understood the 
kind of stress I had been through and how low I was feeling. And when she put it in as many words that Shreya, you're burnt out and that you need to genuinely take a break if you can. That's when I decided that, okay, I think it's time to just completely stop playing the internet game for a bit. During our conversation, we realized how our need for a dopamine detox is often fueled by seeing other people get a dopamine rush, if you know what I mean. When I would see somebody on the internet doing better than I was, I would feel this spike of emotion and that emotion used to usually be negative, either jealousy or anger or just petulance. Also, the other factor is that I would fixate on one person and make it my life's mission to compete with them. And that hyper competitiveness can be really handy when you are looking for a job or looking for a particular spot in the world. But when you're burnt out, you really don't want to feel or feed into this hyper competitiveness because that's what eventually leads to you feeling burnt out. So I was glad for those spikes to have stopped while I was away from the internet. Getting out of the race sometimes is a good reality check. Shreya, would it be possible for you to take us into how does your body feel in that moment? The moment you describe as a spike, you know, how does the does the body feel agitated, hot, cold, uh, numb? What, what is that feeling like? Increased heart rate, immediate tightening of the jaw and frown. And I'm somebody who resists frowning for reasons of vanity. And so you frown, your jaw is locked. Your heart is beating much faster than it should. And I get a flush on my neck, which is a telltale sign of me being extremely jealous. Um, So that tends to happen. And I also have realized that I clutch my phone harder uh, for no fault of its own. But I clutch it harder and then I'm just staring like this. So that happens. And... Once you decide that you're no longer a part of that race because of your mental handicap, you can almost consume that content as if you were watching a movie. Like you could just enjoy that story without feeling like that story was particularly meant to irritate and irk you. So that was a big change. So I was consuming the internet without being a part of it. And that felt wonderfully freeing. Shreya, I really wanted to talk about the expectation that your followers or or just people in your inner social world have when you leave the internet or even when you come back. How did that feel for you? Like, did you feel this this sort of weight of uh, everyone's expectation that you have to explain to them why you went or that you have to show them, uh, you know, some sort of uh, gold nuggets that you've got in these six months that you were away and, you know, that they were expecting some sort of nirvana-like lessons from you at the end of it. Yeah, initially I did think that because, uh, you know, on LinkedIn and Twitter, you see these long threads where people, if they've gone for Vipassana, they come back and tell you all about its benefits and how it's personally changed them. If people do anything that seems to transform their inner world, they feel the need to come and tell you about it. And uh, I feel that if you've experienced something, maybe keep some things to yourself. Don't put an IV drip inside you and make everything a life lesson. But when I did come back and I did post my first reel, I did think that, okay, what is that that I'm willing to share with people about my time off? 
versus what is it that I just don't think is worth their while because again somebody's own internal makeover is should be of no interest to anybody else like you should watch from a safe distance and i think this over investment in people on the internet is a problem so i did feel that wait when i came back but i was able to again regulate it and to the people closest to me who i think i owed the most in terms of what i wanted to share i did do that over a phone call or a coffee or a drink Shreya also told us by the way that she didn't delete every app from her phone. In fact, she was checking Instagram quite regularly for things like funny memes and updates from friends who live far away. She just wasn't actively posting anything for dopamine fulfillment from her device. She also confessed that the detox didn't stop the pangs of jealousy from breaking and entering her mind again. Just that the break taught her how to deal with them better. That brings us to the second person from the demand side, Meghnath. I heard the uh, term dopamine detox recently only actually and thanks to Instagram. So the app that is doesn't want you to do dopamine detox is the one telling me about dopamine detox which is kind of strange because you know you hear about dopamine detox and then oh yeah next read and then next read and then next read. So kind of you know it's kind of defeating the purpose of the dopamine detox itself right Meghnath is a YouTuber who takes short but frequent breaks from social media apps the dopamine rush that you get from just content versus the dopamine rush that you get from your content doing well is significantly different I just posted a reel last month okay it went nuts like it went all sorts of viral uh, about the broadcast bill telecom bill just like a simple explainer i was checking instagram and those hearts that come on top the follows and everything that was all 100 100 100 100 100 and every time i refreshed there is like five people more have liked this 500 people have liked this so many more plays instagram is telling me 500 hours have been seen already with this one reel and then i was like no bye bye instagram bye i'm not going to look at you for 5 days now megnad is looking to solve this not only from the demand side but also from the dopamine supply side here's how i am now a youtube creator which is like 3 months ago i started my channel and one of the thoughts that i had was related to dopamine detox also right which is if i am going to be a creator i don't want to create content which is going to sort of fill that dopamine void that you have so on youtube for example my strategy is i will put one video in like 15 days 20 days but those are long videos so it gives me time also in my videos there is a 3 minute mental health break in the middle so which is basically me doing nothing you just have to watch me like putter around and set up my equipment or me making coffee or me playing with my dog for 3 minutes fascinatingly enough a lot of people just skip everything and just watch the mental health break now and i'm like i'm a little shocked right because this is against conventional wisdom completely which is if you want a dopamine rush you have to do those fast cuts 
you have to do like zoom in effects and all like you don't, you don't have to let people be distracted by anything else i'm like no no we'll go slow you take your time you come you watch like 10 minutes today two days later you watch 10 minutes then you go mental health break so i want people to consume my videos over a period of days also so i'm actively as a creator trying to not give you that dopamine hit now that's such an interesting idea though and it just gets you thinking we're always talking about taking quote unquote commercial breaks why not take just a break you know and and just come around after a few seconds how about we try that right now just just take a break listen to some soothing music for about a few seconds and come back Meghnath's experiment on the supply side and its pleasantly surprising results had us intrigued. So we got someone to help us decode the supply side better. I spoke to Gauri Bansal, a product manager at a consumer tech company who has worked with a social media platform in the past. Gauri, I really want to understand from you as someone who's kind of on the other side, you know, who understands the operations of a social media platform. how does that inform your understanding about our need for dopamine and how social media platforms are able to kind of cultivate that i think that's been a more recent and by recent i mean the last 2 to 3 years that i've really been able to articulate what that means when i take a step back not just as a consumer but someone who's actually creating these experiences I know that you know the endless scroll came about uh, and was built upon the slot machine like you do in gambling which is to mimic the effect of this endless delight that you're going to get that there's a surprise waiting for you the more you keep scrolling it changes in your brain it triggers something very interesting and your mind is curious so social media is built upon those tenets you can think of it behind the scenes as somewhat of a data mine that there are all these all this information across social media and it's built in the form of clusters Like Shafali, at any given point in time, is a product of all her social, economic, psychological, behavioral interests, and how does she express this on social media such that people who are actually reading this information about her can use it to better recommend content that's going to actually make sense for her? So why it makes sense biologically is because often this clustering that happens of data on the back end. sort of replicates a neural network so jobs of product builders who want to create these experiences especially on social media is to build these networks and mine this data to show you what matters to you the most it creates delight and delight automatically creates this endless dopamine loop to entertain you 
So all of biology mimics this social media in a very interesting way. And if I have to give you an example of when I first became hyper aware of it was when I was working on this notifications tooling. And I wanted to get our notifications click-through rate to sort of go above a certain threshold because we weren't able to guide users to the right information that they care about. And I found myself looking at data like, at what time is the user most likely to open their app? Or what kind of messaging works the best for them based on their geographical location? How can we target information better to them? And I felt like a hack. That was sort of this moment of disengagement from how much am I contributing to this supply, which I hate to sort of be the consumer of. And also it made me realize this vicious supply begs demand, begs supply sort of endless loop. So what happens when this endless loop gets overwhelming? I asked this of Dr. Manoj Sharma, a clinical psychologist at NIMHANS. That's the National Institute of Mental Health and Neurosciences in Bangalore. What happens to our brain, you know, with excessive dopamine? It, could you just paint a picture for us? Basically, I think I would plan in terms of like pleasure and everything goes with the reward pathways. So this overstimulation happen and that's become a habit for the brain. The brain gets conditioned to that overstimulation. Once that conditioning happens, brain looks for similar sort of activities, which can give him similar level of stimulation. If you are not getting those activities, then you start feeling lack of motivation. You start feeling irritable. You start losing your interest because that stimulation is not there. And you look for that stimulation again, you have to go back to the screen on. And sometimes increased dopamine has its own consequences and the low dopamine also has its own consequences. Tell us a little bit about that, both the consequences of increased as well as low dopamine. There is a natural process of when there is a dopamine low is there, so it may be associated with low mood states like depression and all. And it can be it is also found in diseases like Parkinson's disease. But whenever there is an increased dopamine, then there is an impulsivity comes up, anger comes up, emotional disturbance comes up. What do you think are some of the myths related to the process of dopamine fasting or dopamine detox that people seem to have that you have to address quite often or you have to clarify to them? Uh, I think basic uh, first process we have to understand, it's not dopamine fasting. Fasting doesn't mean that you are anywhere disturbing the process of dopamine secretion. That will not happen. What actually you are doing, you are developing alternative healthy activities to generate the same dopamine level. And that healthy activities, because if you are watching any exciting series, it creates more overstimulations, and which further gives a feeling of high increase of dopamine. So we are replacing those overstimulating activities with healthy offline activities, which can give you pleasure and which can make you more visible in the society. So it's another nowhere it means that dopamine is getting stopped in secretion. So that's the first myth is there. Second is pleasure. Pleasure is a learned phenomenon. We learn through various experiences. And dopamine somewhere mediate this process of pleasure. Pleasure doesn't mean that you are generating various levels of dopamine. It can be through meditation, it can be through yoga, it can be through physical activity. And if you are a good writer, if you are a good researcher, through whatever you are doing, that also gives you the same dopamine highs. And what is the general sort of age and socioeconomic background of the, the clients that you deal with? Age, we deals with like 17 to 25 or 70 to 30 years, you can say. And most of them are from middle to upper socioeconomic status. And most of our clients are familiar with these concepts of dopamine fasting. And they wanted to know. But I think since we work in different domains, so we 
put the message in a perspective where they can have healthy use of technology that they can do at their home also. They don't have to join anywhere else, for especially for their dopamine fasting or distant detox. How tough is it for people to to kind of wean off of their their devices at this point? Like on a scale of sugar to smoking, depending on what you think is is the hardest. I think I would say still it's a very difficult decision. I think for most of the people who decide to remain away from the devices and all, because they continue to complain that their mind remains with the devices only, even though its device is not with them. Because in this context, I would say there is a term called nomophobia. This is called no mobile fear. And people feel very perturbed if they're not carrying their mobile phone with them. And then in this context, one user has put it very correctly. He said that if I'm not carrying my mobile phone with me, it seems like my soul is at home, but my body is at workplace. So this much is the level of attachment people have. So in this context, I would say the screen control is a difficult target to achieve. Dr. Manoj also pointed out that those of us who like to WebMD our problems often ask him to suggest outdoor retreats that we can take for dopamine detox. He then tries to explain to them, very politely, that the mind doesn't have to be taken from an extreme digital environment to an extreme physical one for it to be able to regulate its dopamine levels. Simply put, you don't necessarily have to touch the grass. You can simply read a book at home and not give in to the endless scroll. That brings me to another observation that Gauri made during our chat about how dopamine detox also seems like a phenomenon with all the trappings of a widely popular but vaguely impactful internet trend. These behaviors are learned and shared. So if one person exhibits this behavior a little more socially in explaining this and if it's um, validated by sort of his or her community by making them feel like they're doing something right or they're taking one for the team and they're helping and taking charge of their and controlling their experience, once you see those kinds of behaviors getting rewarded, Others are more likely to mimic and ape that behavior to sort of feel a little more accepted. This is how most trends around us are born. There's some trend that gains the validation of a larger community. Uh, and, and you don't want to miss out. You want to jump on the bandwagon. So what's interesting is at the heart of it, all of these behaviors remain the same, whether it's for detox or whether it's for engagement. On both sides of social media, you're doing it to gain validation for yourself, to gratify yourself, to feel like you're a part of something larger than yourself. Uh, and even when you're sort of spending that time detoxing, um, what you're essentially doing is taking sort of and creating those streaks uh, for you to be able to proud of once you're back on social media. Uh, and I find that extremely fascinating about how we've been able to do that because people who genuinely go on detoxes, I don't hear from them, like they disappear from the face of earth for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. And I don't hear from them and um, they actually are able to spend some critical time away from all of this. But when we, make dopamine detox a, a trend to reckon with and one that goes around, uh, it's it's another one of those fads that we want to jump on and the bandwagon we want to catch. Yeah, it's it's a diet, right? It's this another kind of intermittent fasting, basically. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Well, that was quite filling. I hope it helped you understand your situationship with social media a little better as well. You've been listening to The Morning Brief, and I'm your host, Shifali Bhatt. This episode was produced by Surohini Jain. Sound editor, Rajas Nayak. Executive producers, Anupriya Nair, Anirban Chaudhary and Arijit Barman. 
The Morning Brief drops every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. You can listen to this episode on all major podcasting platforms. Do tune in to ET Play for all audio content including the Morning Brief. Thank you for listening and have a nice day ahead. All external sound clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.